Hello and welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books. Uh, this is a podcast where two brothers uh, talk about comic books they've loved their whole lives. I'm one of the two brothers. My name is Will Hines. I'm the other one of those brothers. My name is Kevin Hines. And Will and I are also performers and teachers at the UCB Theaters. That's Upright Citizens Brigade to you acronym phobes. Yeah. Uh, Will is based in Los Angeles. I'm based in New York. Yeah, and, and this is a special episode, right, Will? A special episode, yeah. Uh, we, uh, we've been talking about the Fantastic Four for several episodes, and we'll be doing that for several episodes more. And we've been going over the first 102 issues, the original run by yeah. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Um, sorry, we like to say Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. And, um, and, uh, but we have, a, we have a guest. We're going to break the format and not go over any particular <laughs> issues, and we have a guest yeah, we're that we're going to interview. We're going to break our already confusing format. It's already so destroyed. There's no reason to stay consistent. That's so, right. um, yeah, we have a guest, and uh, it's Mr. Ramsey S. Hello, Ramsey. Hello. Uh, thanks Thank so much. you for having me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for being on there. Kevin, do you want to uh, explain who the heck Ramsey is and why we're talking to him? Uh, Ramsey is a talented, funny comedian friend of ours who lives here in New York. I'm staring him in the eyes right now, uh, who has collected every single issue of Fantastic Four. Yeah. And is... Probably the biggest fan I personally know. I hope he is. Yeah. <laughs> I hope there's not a bigger one out there uh, because I, I that scares me, well, the thought of it. If you find a bigger fan during the recording of this podcast, shove Ramsey aside and let that sure, new yes. fan in. Got it. Yeah, we know we know Ramsey from the Upright Citizens Brigade where uh, he's been a comedy writer and done a lot of stuff. And he also does lots of writing out in the regular world. And he's a big old, he's a big old comics nerd, Ramsey, as I oh, understand yeah. it. Yeah. Collecting every issue of the FF, I'm just, I'm so amazed. Before we even get into, like, your thoughts about the Fantastic Four or your, what happened? Like, how did this happen? (laughs) Why would anyone do this? Yeah, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Uh, I didn't remember this until I was reflecting on it yesterday. Uh, But I, I went to community college, and for the first day, there was, like, an orientation and they made everybody write what your goals were for life. <laughs> I remember writing, because uh, I was an idiot, uh, freeze Han Solo and Carbonite <laughs> and uh, buy Fantastic Four number one. And one of those was something I actually wanted to do. Wow. Uh, one of those is hard to do because he's a fictional <laughs> character, right? Yes. That's a hard one to pull off. But in a way, I did meet my goal of not giving an honest answer. Okay, great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and so it, it was probably about three years into having like an actual adult job that I went onto eBay and didn't pay student loans for a little while and tracked down a copy of Fantastic Four number one that was uh, beat up enough that I could afford it. Sure. And right. then uh, from there, I just kind of started filling in backwards from where I had started as a kid, like in the 90s. Oh, man. So at this point, when you were in community college, you had every issue since you started collecting? Yeah, uh, in kind of the uh, Paul Ryan, Tom DeFalco run. Okay, and that was that's right after Burn? When was that? Uh, Post-Simonson. Uh, oh, okay. So like 93-ish. Okay. And does that include all the, like, the weird... Like, like Fantastic Force uh, things that, that happened like in between yeah. runs? Uh, I had, yeah, like Fantastic Force, which I barely remember. My Aunt Peggy gave me a bunch of those. Okay. Uh, 
that was like grown up Franklin yeah. and some insane stuff like that going on, right? Yeah. I had a couple odd issues of the 2099 Fantastic sure, Four. Okay. Some of the weird things, but no not all of them. You're okay. not, you're not so a completist just, about all that other stuff. Just right. the, the stuff called Fantastic Four. The, the core stuff, yeah. Which has taken a few gaps to give you a breather. <laughs> it was very nice of them to cancel my favorite book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good. That's good. You need that to, to catch your breath. <laughs> Guys, tell uh, the old man, that's me, because I stopped reading comics on, a, on superhero comics on a regular basis, like in the late 80s, basically. And Kevin would Yeah, they bl- kept making them. Is that right? Oh, that's what I want, mostly yeah. wanted to know. <laughs> um, yeah. is, is there one unbroken Fantastic Four title that's kept the numbering? Marvel reboots a lot and then they eventually revert to the numbering and now they're doing the thing that makes the most sense to me which is they have like a a new numbering but they also list the legacy number which I don't know what legacy number they're on but Uh, so it'll say like issue 8 and underneath it'll be like 401 and like a little fainter smaller number yeah, they're just over 650 at this point yeah I guessed 400 I was off by (laughs) 200 issues when did you get FF number one? So you had you had this unbroken run since you know ninety three ish, nineteen ninety three ish, and then when did you? And then you the first one you got of a back issue was number one. <laughs> uh, there were a couple random burn ones that I would get as a kid. Like uh, I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there was no real comic book store near me. There was a guy in a neighboring town who would open his shed on Saturdays. <laughs> wow. Uh, he would drive to uh, the nearest big city, I think probably Rochester or Buffalo, I'm not sure which, and he would get uh, just like two of every new comic, and then like a traveling medicine man, he'd bring those to the small town folk to share. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so he had a couple back issues that I was able to pull, and they were like just random, like one from the 70s, and then the one where... Uh, Sue has a miscarriage. Sure. And so yeah, I don't yeah. know any of the context the, around the one where the final page, the final page is like a panel surrounded by like a lot of dark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We lost, so that's, we that's lost the, the baby 80s 30 minutes ago. I think that's what that panel says. Yeah. I remember it really, yeah, so that really blew me away. Like I remember how moving that issue. Was. Yeah. Um, fun. Comics are fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, a strange one to have just sort of as a lone issue though. Yeah. And it was, uh, a really cool cover of Reed Richards fighting the Dr. Octopus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, really sucker punches you at the end. Yeah, yeah. That was a cool story in general, right? He kind of brings Doc Ock in because he's the foremost expert in radiation. Yeah. That's a fun take. But they had to like keep him from seeing Spider-Man's face because he would lose it or something, yeah. if I remember. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then issue one was the first one that... Uh, I went back to get, and I kind of thought that would be the last one. I was going to just frame it and put it up on the sure. wall. Um, but is, it, is it framed and on your wall? Uh, I just took it out to get it graded in one oh, of those right. fancy slabby plastic things. Sure, yeah. Uh, just because I, it's UV coated, but I didn't want to risk it anymore. Right, okay. And so then you got I, issue one, and then what made you decide to get more? Uh, I guess having <laughs> an understanding... <laughs> Uh, significant other and uh, disposable income. Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's just like let's let's go for broke. And it was so easy with eBay, where just like, yeah. oh, I can get a run of two hundred on. And yeah, eBay really changed things. When I first moved to New York, I sold runs on eBay. You wouldn't get much money, but you'd be like, oh, I could get rid of like sixty issues right. of whatever. 
uh, and then just box it up and send it off to somebody who will enjoy them and read them. And I would also buy runs of things. Uh, yeah, I guess nice. be- before eBay, you'd have to go to a big shop or a convention or something and just see if somebody was selling a, a lot of them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I would count on the stuff I liked not being popular and ending up in dollar boxes. Like, I remember I got uh, Peter David Supergirl run because it was in dollar boxes. And I was like, oh, I got like 80% of it that way. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, then I could fill in the gaps. I didn't mind spending a few more bucks, but it's like, it's so cheap to get all those issues. Ramsey, would you um, read them when you bought them then? If you bought like a big batch off of eBay, would you get them and then read them? I, yep, I would. Uh, I wasn't, I, I still put them in like the bags and boards and stuff, but I wasn't super obsessive about these need to be absolutely pristine. Good for you. Yeah, Thank you. I feel <laughs> I feel the same way. Like I have a copy of Amazing Spider-Man 33 and it is beat to heck. I mean, it is a really like... <laughs> lousy copy of it but it's totally readable it's an original copy and like for sentimental value i love it like it is it is maximum sentimental value to me despite its less than pristine condition um and what's the point of like you know slavishly protecting these things they're they're meant to be read i mean that's why i got sucked into comic books over like baseball cards or things like other collectibles because you can read them right yeah there's actual more to it yeah yeah, they're not just you a can totem. Kind of study them and get to like learn the lore of all these crazy characters. So when you bought these old issues, had you read a lot of them as reprints at least, or was it all was it a lot of new stuff to you? I'd read kind of the those black and white essentials. Great. So all the Kirby stuff. This was my first run in with with Burn uh, and anything in that stretch. And there's probably still a couple of the Salbusima Ramita era that I may not have cracked open okay yeah <laughs> I, which i i'll like start reading from the beginning of kirby that, like in the hundreds that's yeah right after kirby left yeah, that stuff seemed bad yeah it, it, i'll pick one up and i'll like this is i'm gonna read this run and then i lose interest pretty quickly yeah. um two questions one how did the burn stuff hold up to somebody who was reading current stuff going back to read something that will and i looked at very fondly Yes, although um, because it was our first big exposure yeah. to effort, there's a, there's always that bias you have to whatever got you into it, you know, like whatever your yeah. particular gateway into a comic is holds like a special place for you. For, for Kevin and I, that's the John Byrne era. So, yeah, what's it like to have read that not as a first thing? I really like those in particular. Those, I think, Phew. still hold up. Yeah, uh, he does an amazing job of really making a conscious effort to go back to what made the Lee and Kirby stuff special uh, and then doing his thing with it, that it's it's not about like trying to break them apart and then put them back together or whatever. Uh, I think it really, probably that run more than any other does really still hold up. That's great. I'm glad to hear it. I just remember loving it. Like every issue I was so excited for, rarely disappointed. He seemed to have creative ways of like, putting stresses on the character on their personality that mm-hmm. made you the reader understand what their personality was sort of and he and he did it better than he filled in gaps like particularly for the invisible woman um right. you know fleshed out their character um there's weird like thompson twins references you have to get through but oh yeah yeah other than that he also <laughs> he had a lot of 80s fashion like johnny would have like a strange yes. cindy lopper haircut and stuff and yeah i remember that too but i always thought that i like when comics have the fashion of the era. I think that's a good time. <laughs> yeah, I reread them when they published them as visionary collections 
And I remember being think still loving them, but you never know how much of that is just like the nostalgia of like I loved it when I first read it. Now right. I still do. What about the so when you got Fantastic Four issue one, had you read that before? Yes, uh, I had one of those. Uh, it's like silver bordered reprints. Yes. I want to say like Marvel right, Masterworks right. or something just like that. Just the one issue. Just or the, the one issue yeah. where it had like the original ads and everything. So as you read the original, even just those first like eight, six to eight issues, how do those feel? Because those are so different from yeah. anything else. Yeah, it's you can definitely feel they're very improvisational. Where they they feel like they don't know what they're doing to some degree. Yeah, there's there's no foresight in terms of like I mean, looking at Sue alone, where they add powers twenty one issues in or whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, the giving them costumes three up three issues in yeah. stuff like that, where. It feels like they'll suddenly have had a meeting and realize, like, oh, we we got to give them a car. They need a car <laughs> to fly around in. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of charming from that perspective, but yeah. part of me wants to be like, all right, come on, let's let's get to the FF. I know. Right. Sure. What, yeah. What led you to the Fantastic Four to begin with? Yeah. Um, Good question. We, Thank you. Great. <laughs> Moving on. You got your validation. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to get questions out. I, I care less about the answers. Here's some more questions. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, what led you? Because uh, especially, what do we, what do we say this was? The 90s? Yes. Like, they weren't the most popular comic book on the stand. No way. So, like, what would lead you to go, like, this is a book that I'm going to not just get, but never stop buying? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, so when I was growing up, there was the X-Men cartoon and the Spider-Man cartoon mm -hmm. on Fox Kids, which I, I loved. Um, but then we got early Cartoon Network, and they showed the Hanna-Barbera 60s oh, Fantastic yes. Four. Uh, and I don't know if... I'm sure some element of it was, uh, oh, this is the underdog Marvel comic. I'm going to like these guys. Yeah. Um, but there was something about sort of the 60s-ishness of it. Yeah. The sort of everybody here is having a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, Spider Man's making jokes, but his uncle died in the yeah, first right. story. Like, he's having a really rough go. Uh, there's just something really fun uh, about everything that was happening. So, it was really those cartoons. Oh, that's so interesting. Wow. It shows how important cartoons are. Like, a good, I, I think that Santa Barbara cartoons are really good, particularly for the era they yeah. came out in. But I think they hold up decently even now when I've tried to rewatch them. Um, compared to other cartoons, like the the ones on CBS, yeah, that you sent a clip of, yes, with the Herbie. Uh, no, no, the the Herbie ones are also terrible. But there was a CBS one that came out after Spider Man yeah, the, on Fox Kids, Marvel Action Hour. It was paired with Iron Man, and they were just. I remember Galactus like licking his lips, <laughs> like his tongue coming out, and him going, "Hmm, Earth." And it was just real yeah. bad. Like the same three music cues running through yeah. the Where same like episode. The Super Friends, as stupid as that was, was decent. Like it, it, it seemed to be showing you how cool these heroes were. At least it, that's what it felt like as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And I think having a cartoon that's just like, we, this cartoon likes these characters. Yeah. You should like them too. It's so important to get kids hooked on this drug of, of comic books. Uh, that's so great that the Hanna-Barbera cartoon did that. Yeah. I still think Reed's voice and the Thing's voice every now and then pop into my head Me too. when I'm reading the comics. Yeah. Me too. Especially that, that Thing voice is so perfect. Yeah. But even Reed's sort of a macho uh, action hero voice, 
because in current comics, he's played so much more scientist. But every now and then I hear that sort of, come on, <laughs> you know, team yeah. or whatever. I'm just like, that's, I can't do it, but it's like, he was a real manly so man. so commanding. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's probably not my favorite characterization of Reed, but it was accurate to how Kirby was doing him at the time that cartoon came out. Um, the, the Hanna-Barbera cartoon is interesting because for all of its faults, like the animation is very slapdash and, you know, uh, simple. Um, they did follow the comics. Like the, what, the reason they work is they just sort of copy Kirby's stories. I, and, uh, and the strength of those stories, even in this kind of simple, weird version, still still makes it mostly work. Yeah, even down to, I was listening to where you guys were covering the Diablo issue. Yeah. Uh, and you were describing them being lost in the forest while they're on vacation. And I yeah. realized I haven't read that issue in a really long time, but I definitely remember that from that cartoon. They it kept, starts with them lost in the woods? They kept that stupid, stupid plot point. That's so funny. <laughs> right. And I that, definitely uh, haven't watched all of them, but I, uh, the, I, I do remember like the Molecule Man one being very similar to the comic book Molecule Man issue. It is, um, and the Galactus one too. Uh, yeah. It's... Uh, it's it's sort of interesting, like, the F, the Fantastic Four is such a weird, the Kirby issues in particular, they're such a strange stew of, like, strengths <laughs> and weaknesses, and it's hard to tell what's making it good and what's limiting it. So it's almost like, you know what, let's just copy the whole thing, because we don't really know how this works. <laughs> like, maybe Galactus needs a big G on his chest. That seems stupid, but uh, we're scared to change anything. Um you know, maybe Reed does need to be a complete jerk to all of his close friends and families. Maybe that maybe that's part of what's making this work. And it wasn't until later that I think people, John Byrne, I'm sure other people, did like more refined versions that still also worked. What's your favorite uh, run? I would probably say Byrne, um, but I always like to mention Walt Simonson's run too, because I feel like it doesn't get enough cred. Which talk I have about not it. read entirely. I've read a couple issues of it. I've, uh, uh, I, I keep meaning to go back and read those. The, the most, uh, the thing that stands out the most in my memory is he has that kind of angular style. He drew it too. Uh, he drew it as well. Uh, sounds Ooh. great already. I there want to are, see it. Uh, he, there's a few stretches where he doesn't, um, and kind of most famously, there's the new Fantastic Four that show up for a sure. couple issues. The, that's I have those two issues. Arthur Adams drew them. They're fun. Yeah. If. Uh, Disposable, Right. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of feels like uh, he's already done the Thor run. Yeah. And I think he, I, I'm really projecting a lot here, but he may already know that that's like, that's what he's going to be known for. Sure. So he's having a ton of fun with the Fantastic Four, just kind of doing whatever he wants to do. He's, he's kind of left with a lot of weird things to clean up. Um, the thing has been transformed into this sort of more mutated version. Okay, right. that was I remember like that. Spiky rock. Yep. Uh, and then Sharon Ventura is there as the she thing. Right. Uh, and he, by the end of his run, that's <laughs> when all. When I read of, issues, I often think there's not enough things. <laughs> yeah, we need <laughs> double the things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's this one issue uh, that I truly love. Uh, I think it's 352. Uh, I wrote it down earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where it's Doom and Reed having this uh, time travel battle. And so uh, for three quarters of the page on the left side, it's the thing, he's getting Sue and he's rescuing Johnny from Doom's castle. But along the right-hand panel, uh, it's Doom and Reed fighting at different points in time. 
So on the left side, it's 1.12 a.m., but on the right side, it's 1.37 a.m. And so that half of the page is all out of order, but it keeps interacting with what's going on on the left side. I'm doing an awful job of explaining a very visual yeah. thing. I've heard about this issue. I've never read this issue, but this gets cited a lot as like a really cool issue. Like they intersect sometimes, yep. but not at the same time. Right. Like they'll transport yeah. and then write as a robot shooting Ben, Doom gets in the way, stuff like that. I, I love Walt Simonson. And uh, I do think Thor was, he actually genuinely loves Norse mythology. So Thor was made for him to work on. Yeah. Because he's now doing Thor again on his own. Oh, I didn't know that. He's doing a book called Ragnarok for, uh, I think IDW, might be Boom, one of the indie books. And it's the it's set in the Norse mythology. It's not Marvel Thor, but it is Thor. Oh, I want to read it that. Is just, and yeah. it's so good and it's so beautiful. And it's just him being allowed to do exactly what he wants. But it's crazy to me that this guy who did the best Thor run of all time would say, I'm going to do Thor again <laughs> of any version. Yeah. It's so crazy. So him working on anything after that is sort of hard to imagine because yeah. he did the book that was made for him and he would go on to do like new gods for DC, which was also great, but that also feels like his style. Right. Uh, Fantastic Four feels almost different, but yeah. he's so good. I, I can't imagine it's, yeah, I want to read it. I, I, only, I, read the, I it. only read the Walt Simonson Thor run last year. I had not read it. I mean, I was reading comics when it came out, but for some reason, and everybody was saying, this Thor run is incredible, but I don't know. It was like, I think I was like on a budget. I could only like buy certain titles <laughs> yeah. or whatever, and I was busy buying four Spider-Man titles and the FF, and I was like, oh, I can't stretch it or something. And um, I most only bought, read what you bought, so that hurt me. <laughs> I, I limited you too, yeah. And then so I, yeah. I, I got the Marvel Unlimited online subscription solely to read Walt Simonson's Thor, and I, it, I loved it. I, um, it. It is a little bit, a lot of exposition at the start, not that much. Beta Ray Bill enters immediately. Yeah, um, issue one. <laughs> what a bold move on your, yeah. on your new run in a character, but... um. On a, on a book. I've only read a chunk of it. Um, is Beta Ray Bill in it through a large swath no. of it? or No. Okay. No. He's just mostly the first storyline. He might come back one more time. Once or twice. Yeah. I think um, twice. But he is the first storyline is about Beta Ray Bill getting the hammer wow. and proving himself to be worthy. Like the first storyline is also about getting rid of Donald Blake. That part kind of goes away. Uh, anyway, it's that's an amazing run, and that's why we're talking about Thor. <laughs> uh, let's take a break, Will. All right, we'll take a break right here. We'll be right back. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Uh, we're back, and we're still talking with Ramsey S. about Fantastic Four, even though we just spent a while talking about <laughs> Thor. I'd like to move to X-Men now, if we could. Great, fantastic. <laughs> what do you think makes a good FF book? 
let's say that I was going to write an FF book and you're my editor and you're giving me instructions on, hey, make sure you do this or make sure you do this. And, and you, and you, and I, and I suck. So you want to be like, hands on. <laughs> I like, shouldn't have hired him. Oh first man. Of all. Like mistake. I'm a mistake. And so you have to like, Hey, at least make sure you listen, you idiot. Make sure at least you do these things. <laughs> Whenever a new writer comes on, they always say like, it's about family or it's about exploration or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's true. But for me, whether they're out exploring or whatever, I think what needs to drive the story is curiosity of some kind. Interesting. Either, uh, either it's like I just discovered the negative zone and we're going to go check it out, or it's it, it feels like it's never like they, they aren't going to be patrolling the city and foiling bank robbers as much as like things happen to them. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be the active uh, instigators of their stories in a lot of cases. Yeah. That's true. Um, and I, a lot of the Kirby it, stories, like Reed stumbles into something and then they all get sucked into it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, especially by the part that we're currently covering, we're now deep into just like they roll from one thing to the next without really looking for any problems. Yeah. And I think like you would probably, if you were writing that as a screenplay, the note would be like, make them more active or that sort of thing. But I feel like that sort of quest for knowledge that is always driving them, whether it's like that's the thing's internal conflict is him trying to, he, he doesn't want to be the thing. Uh, how do we solve this problem? That I think that sort of searching, that curiosity element to it is, is super key to that book. Um, and I think it's always just best when it's fun to some degree. What do you think of the dance slot run that's just begun? I think it's been pretty good. Okay. Uh, as we're recording this, there was just a big thing, Hulk fight. Yes. That I think is my favorite thing that he's done so far in the book. Yeah. It still feel to me it feels like he's still kind of finding or he it feels like he was getting some things in place that he wanted to and he hasn't really started doing it yet. Yeah. Even though it's twelve issues in a little bit, right? Right. Um though I, it's good for sure. Yeah, it, there's certainly been worse runs in recent <laughs> oh, memory. Yeah. Oh man. What did you think of Hickman's run? That was a very popular run that I well, I was lukewarm towards personally, mm-hmm. but I'm Hot curious take. what you thought of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jonathan Hickman is an incredible writer. His X Men run that just started seems unbelievably fun, uh, but his Fantastic Four run, I was always like, it's not bad, uh, and everyone around me was saying how much they loved it. So I'm just curious what a true fan thought of that. When it when it was going month to month, yeah. uh, I, I didn't love it. Uh, a month would go by and I would forget what was happening in oh, the nice. story or that this thing six issues ago was coming back. But I, once they were all done rereading them, I really liked it a lot oh, more. Okay, that's actually. Cool. I never reread it. I kind of just read it as it was happening because it's also Spider-Man came into it, which yep. I, I loved, but even that didn't, I was like, Oh, this, I should really love this. And it just felt okay. And it then does dovetails into the Avengers, the right. secret wars thing. And then now it's, Parts of it are in the X-Men, his Fantastic Four. Oh, wow. So, so I kind of stopped following him through Avengers because I wasn't enjoying that. Though I did read his Secret Wars, which is different than the original Secret Wars, Will. Uh, but there, it, was, it was centered what? around the FF. There's more than one Secret <laughs> there, Wars? There's a, at least three. Yeah. Three? Maybe four? 
There was a Secret Wars two in the eighties. Yeah, I read I that. The Beyonder that. and yeah. Golden Notebook. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. Golden Notebook was a separate storyline. Yes, but <laughs> oh yeah, well he made a building into gold and somebody yes, retrieved yes, the yes. notebook. <laughs> but he made it seem like that was his notebook or something. I don't think I've read Secret Wars two. Now that I'm hearing this, that is a that is just a Spider-Man story within this Secret. It was not in the main. Oh, comic. okay. Uh, Beyonder turns a building to gold to pay. Uh, heroes for hire what he owes them <laughs> he turns an entire building into gold and it immediately starts collapsing in on itself because gold is not a structural <laughs> element and Spider-Man is like rescuing people from that building and then uh, who cares but the Kingpin uh, tasks himself with uh, just disposing of this gold because it's also going to ruin the gold market <laughs> And so the kingpin, as a, a legitimate businessman, is like, I will dispose of these buildings, and I'll just keep like six typewriters from the building for myself. Sure. And Spider-Man is furious that the kingpin is profiting from this, so he steals a notebook from a garbage can that's solid gold, which he eventually uh, sells and pays off his rent, and he feels guilty about it for <laughs> years later. Kevin, that recall was un- uncanny. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> Secret Wars 2 is bad. That story is really good. Wow. Good I mean, things was, can come I'm, out I'm of I'm so amazed by that. That came out like in 87 or something? Yeah, it was a two-part issue. Uh, the covers had like Spider-Man swinging into the building in one costume and then swinging out in the, you know, the other. I don't remember if he was going in red and blue and coming out black or vice versa. Wow. But that's what the covers look like. Wow. They, they connect. It's Kevin. a really good two-part story. Kevin, you should do a podcast about comic books. <laughs> nah. I'm more into talking about... Uh, uh, Bent wood chairs. You got it. <laughs> See that improv mind at work? Yeah, I'm staring at bent yeah, wood chairs. Something in the room. <laughs> it's a good move. Um, Ramsey, what's your take on um, uh, one thing you do on the on the side is that you, you you'll sometimes look at um, old television episodes. You mm-hmm. you would go to the Paley Center for whatever it's called, and where they have all these old television shows archived, and you would look at some old like either forgotten or lost thing that's hard to get a hold of. I remember yep, you did right. like a a pilot that Woody Allen wrote starring Alan Alda and Mary Tyler Moore or something. And oh, wow. Uh, I, yeah, I, that was them in the rough and tumble world of improv in the 1950s. That was <laughs> right. what that pilot was about. Oh, wow. And, and, um, and other stuff you've looked at. And I think you have a good way of sort of putting your head, trying to guess what it was like in the context of when it came out and stuff. Hmm. So I'm going to ask you to do that for the Jack Kirby run of Fantastic Four. What was it about these issues? Just you're guessing now, just your guess, that you think made it work. Like it was a huge hit. What about I, I it think... is good and what about it was good for then? I think a big part of it was, is probably the fact, the easy answer is that it's so different from what was being done by uh, DC at the time, that it was... Mm-hmm kind of breaking a lot of the superhero conventions uh, that were already in place. But I think it timed out really nicely with the counterculture of the period. I guess Fantastic Four is probably a little early to ride it the... It starts early. Like, it starts in 61. That's pre-Beatles. Yeah. So it's not... Like, the Galactus stuff isn't timing out to be riding the psychedelic wave or anything like that. But I think it has a level of safe trippiness that people were ready for Mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. sort of kind of doing what was unusual like these big photo collages that kirby would do every once in a while uh i think i think there's an element of uh i'm trying to connect this to beatlemania but (laughs) that's not working for me that's okay but (laughs) just that idea of uh 
look, we're, we're young, we're hip. We're, we're talking to you with slang in the bullpen and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we're also super accessible. You can write a letter and Flo will read it. Uh, yeah. That I think yeah, st- they, yeah. they were the guys who weren't wearing suits to work. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. Is, it, it is does feel like, and I guess I don't know if this is true, that without Fantastic Four, though, Marvel maybe doesn't work. Like, Ant-Man wasn't going to do it. <laughs> and Captain America or even the Hulk and Thor and Iron Man weren't going to do it. And Spider-Man maybe could do it, but he's sort of... By the time he was really going, FF was a hit. So he was sort of benefited from Fantastic Four getting to a point where Spider-Man could exist. And I'm, it is right. The first, that the that first issue was, of Spider-Man proper, he visits the FF like they're trying to have the Spider-Man yeah. book ride the coattails of the FF book. Yeah, it is just a, sort of amazing to me. That book was so good that, and for long enough, that they could get everything else moving and going and popular. I, I don't know. That's not an answer or a comment. It's just it's uh, still. I'm always astonished by how big FF must have been. Right, especially when that wasn't the way it was. When yeah. by the time we hit it, it's amazing that anyone could ever challenge DC. They have Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. Yeah. Be, before they even get to their next tier, which are all also really great characters, that should be unbeatable. Yeah, yeah. they're they're already yeah. on radio and cartoons. Yeah. they're huge. Yeah. And then to come out with the Fantastic Four, it's such a weird next big hit. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things that, like, it's playing with the... It's the superhero formula to some degree, but yeah. it's also taking it in such a weird direction. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, like, them not wearing costumes at first and them yeah. being a weird family. Uh, I, I get that impulse to, to try these different things, but then it does kind of slide back into... Yeah, I... I Kurt Busiek just posted something about how the old Jack Kirby books, most of them didn't, if they had secret identities, they didn't really deal with them much. Hmm. Like Thor's Donald Blake identity was sort of an afterthought. Steve Mm -hmm. Rogers was sort of an afterthought early on. Uh, I don't know anything about Uh, Ant-Man, Hank Pym's uh, identity, but it all felt like before Spider-Man, there wasn't really like a for real... Yeah, Superman-esque, uh, Flash-esque. I gotta change so my girlfriend doesn't know right. where I was. Uh, aspect. So that, maybe that was part of it too. It's so weird. There's also, the Hulk had that a little bit. Right. People yeah. Didn't know he was the Hulk. With with those four characters too, they're also kind of spreading out. It, it's almost like trying to hit four different quadrants of r- reader at the same time. Yeah. Where you've got like, if if there's a an explosion, you've got the person who wants to study it, the hothead kid who wants to race right over, somebody who's scared of it, <laughs> and somebody who wants to beat up the explosion, I guess, in yeah. this scenario. Sure, sure, yeah. Whereas with Superman, he's going to do what's right and what's good, and he's mm-hmm. going to do it immediately, and you can't really relate to that to some degree. Yeah. It is interesting. We've Kevin, I think we've talked about this before that, or somebody pointed out to us, but like, you know, Jack Kirby's the the king. He is the most prolific creator in in the formation of Marvel. The single most important person, probably. Although there's other essential people, Kirby probably had the biggest overall impact. I don't know. Maybe Stan did, but like, it's Stan and Jack. But Ditko's comic is the one that is the template for modern stories. Hmm. Um, yes, yeah, Spider Man. The, the, the emotional interior life, the the secret identity being more important than the than the costumed version, um, raising the emotional stakes to make the fight better. 
Those are yeah, the, the, things. The, the main story being how do I pay rent or get this girl to notice me and that secondary how do I fight this villain became like a thing. Definitely in the 90s, all comic books were doing that. All, right. Even the DC books were all like the new Green Lantern was basically Spider-Man. <laughs> and um, But yet Kirby is doing an old, you know, what will eventually be an old school approach, which is just like fights, 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 baby. Powers, <laughs> powers, powers. Uh, the gang of the army, the army buddy mentality. Quit your whining, female. We got a job to do. Um, but he was just so good at it that it worked. I think you're right about the psychedelic stuff. His art, his art was modern. Like the look of his stuff was trippy and weird, and you know, a, a Jack Kirby drawing of the Silver Surfer around Galactus wouldn't look out of place next to an R. Crumb drawing. Right. Mm-hmm. Even, even if the content of the story is really cool. I'm trying, to, I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure this out. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the answer is. When When did you read the Galactus trilogy? In the in the span of you reading comics, that was one. That's a good question. I remember seeing it adapted in three different Fantastic right. Four cartoons, probably before I actually read it. That probably wouldn't have been until I got those black and white phone books. Essentials. That's yeah. when Will and I read them in the Essentials as well. How did it? Because like, for Will and I, we in our mind we knew that was like a tentpole moment. Yeah. And it and it lived up to it for us, which we couldn't believe. Right. I think. Um, did you have a similar experience or a different experience? I, I'm remembering now that actually two of the first comic books period I ever got were a gift. And it was um, from that 90s run where they go back in time to that story. Oh, weird. To the point where they, they redo the covers of like the Watcher standing, but with yeah. Sue Storm in her awful 90s costume. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so... From things like that, I, I knew, oh, this is a really important story yeah. to the point where they're mimicking these same comic book covers. Um, I would say it held up. I was surprised, even though I knew it was the Galactus trilogy, uh, it felt like it was a little stretched at times. Okay. There's a lot of Silver Surfer flying around stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. The third part of it is just a Silver Surfer hanging out with Alicia. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that part of it surprised me. It didn't seem as epic in that regard but within the context of the entire run you have like these weird four page inhuman stories interrupting things or johnny at college yeah uh where it made more sense in that context sure uh it's just it's so weird that that uh that that tentpole happened so deep into these the fantastic fours run I, i i think at least especially when like when I was reading these and just sort of devouring them all at once to remember that like, oh, 12 issues equals one year. Right. And yeah. this is this is deep into this at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I tell it all the time in this podcast, but when Will and I were reading The Essentials, we finished volume two and we hadn't gotten to Galactus yet. But by the end of volume two, I remember really, really, really loving it. And it's just being like, oh, we haven't gotten to the most famous <laughs> story yet. How is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. Walt like, Simonson led off with better Ray, beta Ray Bill here. Yeah. Most things. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I guess uh, Spider Man also ended with its most famous story, I guess, other than his origin. But that feels still, that even, that's crazy too. And that was yeah. 30 issues. But that's in the second essential volume. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That stuff is crazy to me. Uh, as individual characters go, do you have a favorite? Do you care? Uh, I always lean towards Reed Richards. Okay. Uh, and I, don't exactly know why. I think it is sort of the 
I like the sort of logic approach mm-hmm. more, but mm-hmm. I also love the thing for sure. being the thing. Uh, I was always irritated by Johnny Storm, which is a weird reaction for a kid, I think. Yeah, but I understand uh, it. He's a he's the popular jock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you just unlocked it for me. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's the antithesis of whoever's reading. Johnny wouldn't read comics. I mean, if he did, he would read like army comics or something. Right. You know, he he bullies Peter Parker in the comics. You know, he, yeah. he's a he thinks Peter's a wimp sort of. You know what I mean? He's condescending to him. Uh, I mean, he's a great also character. A classic him, car guy. Your dad is a classic. So, so maybe this is. Yeah, so this yeah. might go deeper. Actually, so Johnny Storm might be your father. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It times out. Can I off of Johnny Storm? Can I ask you guys a quick question? OK, sure. This has been bugging me forever, uh, and so I'm coming to you guys. Uh, if you picture like Kirby's classic drawing of the torch, like the way he eventually settles into drawing him, yes, uh, he's like kind of a red figure covered in flames with those lines all over yeah, his body. Yeah. What do right. those lines represent? Oh, that's a great question. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> to to um, me, it feels like was, heat. Was that true in the original Human Torch drawings? I don't think so. I think the original one was more just like flames. flames. Yeah. It like li- literally looked like a, a, a campfire come to life. Oh, good plug. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> yes, campfire media. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but that's what it looked like to me. Uh, those, especially because when Johnny first showed up, that's what he looked like in those first few issues. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he does sort of settle into this humanoid figure that is red with just straight lines all the way down. Uh, Dormammu also has that on his Oh, yeah, he does. So it is like a Marvel Comics flame symbolism. I I realize that it always read as, like, visible man muscles to me. Oh, that's interesting. But that doesn't make any sense. It's weird, because when they first started changing Johnny to, like, show his facial features more in the comics, which, I don't know when that was. Was that Alan Davis? Was that... uh, That sounds right. What Claremont, Alan Davis was on, maybe? But it bothered me. I've gotten very used to it, yep. but I was just like, that's not the human torch should be this sort of no recognizable features. He's like almost like a smiley face. Yep. He transforms into like a, a guy in a lycra suit. Yeah. And, and I don't <laughs> know why that was so important to me, but it really bugged me for a long time. And now he's not drawn that way. And I, and maybe they've gotten a little better doing it. I actually can't even picture how he's drawn now. I'm not sure what they do. I think it just looks like him, but red right. or whatever, almost uh, like you don't see the the details fade, but you see his nose and you see his right. eyes drawn fully. Uh, for the most part, I could pull one up, maybe. I weirdly think the instinct—I don't have a good answer to that question—and that's my favorite question I've ever been asked in any context. But <laughs> sure, okay. Great next question. I do, th- I do think that yeah. <laughs> so no I do think the decision necessary. to put lines for the torch like looks so cool, and it's Kirby's instinct for stuff like that is what—that's the main thing that makes the book work. Is just like. Everything looks great. <laughs> like, right, right. All yeah. the all the gadgets look great. The the manifestation of the powers looks good. The dotted lines for the shields, uh, reads contorted positioning. Just everything looks great. The the eventual way that the thing settled into fits his personality perfectly. He is both a monster, but a but a buddy. Right. Uh, kind of huggable. Not scary. Yeah, he's like contained. Um, that's you know. That's just visual design genius, and I th- which I yeah. think Kirby had. Uh, and even the dumb villains like Jeffrey Gideon is one of the dumbest villains. The, the rich guy, the rich billionaire, <laughs> yeah. who uses his money because he's bored. 
He looks, he's got a good look. The bald look, the green suit, the weird mustache. Uh, we just read an Inhumans run where there's a character called the Seeker who's got kind of like a soul patch, uh, sunglasses, turtleneck thing going on. And the <laughs> character's boring, but he looks, he looks good. Not good, but he looks interesting. Like he's compelling. Um, I mean, that's, Kirby seemed to be, have, have an infinite resource of looks for people. So I don't know. I do love that. My, my younger brother was a big X-Men fan and they started publishing, uh, just in like these single issue reprints, the first, uh, the original X-Men run. Uh, and Kirby did the first 11 of those. Uh, and the second issue is this weird character. I don't know if they ever come back called the Vanisher, uh, and even though it's a very stupid character who I think he just disappears, he has this super distinctive look where it's like these, he's bald and he has these sort of steampunky goggles and this elaborate, uh, it's like Spider-Man's costume meets Dracula collar behind his head. Uh, I can't forget that dumb, dumb character. Hard as I may yeah. try. Yeah. Um, Kirby was good. Uh, yep. <laughs> What are your other favorite comics, Ramsey? Uh, I really like... I've always been a big Marvel guy. Uh, and I tend to stick mostly to that. Um, I really like... Tanes- oh, I never pronounced his name right. Tahanesi Coates? Sure. I don't, uh, I don't know how to pronounce but I know who you're talking about. The He's doing Captain America yeah. right now, and I'm really enjoying that. Uh, oh, what else? What else do I read? Uh, pretty much anything Matt Fraction does is wonderful. Sure, yeah. Is he doing anything right now? I feel like he is reduced so much. I think he's still got a couple. Still but doing sex criminals. Yeah. Um, though that comes out slow. Yep. Oh, he's doing a really fun Jimmy Olsen book right now. Oh, that's him. Yep. That's good. Yeah, the, the first two issues of that have been real fun. Um, have you read Immortal Hulk? Oh. Sort of, that's sort of the hot Marvel book right now. No, I was surprised... When he popped up in Fantastic Four recently, that I did not know what was happening to the Hulk right now. Yeah, I don't know how much it matters in that Fantastic Four story, but uh, it's uh, it's it's the hot Marvel book. I'm just that's all I'm saying. Uh, by <laughs> Al Ewing, it's it's good. I'm a Hulk fan, and it's very different, but it also still feels it's like the best kind of different, where it feels different, but also um, is taking into consideration all that's come before, at least the best parts of what's come before. It isn't ignoring it and kind of starting over. Which those sort of runs always bug me. Right, where it's clean slate. Yeah, it's just like, eh, this is the Hulk now. And I'm like, oh, but <laughs> that doesn't fit. And it, it sort of is dealing with that stuff in a, in a fun way. It's a more horror book, weirdly. Hmm. Closer to like Swamp Thing. Oh, interesting. Um, than superhero, for sure. Anyway, check it out. Uh, it's a plug for Ramsey. Thank you. And our <laughs> listeners, I guess, if you care. Uh, I also really like The Middleman. And uh, which was sort of an indie comic. Is that the one that became a TV show it briefly? Did, yeah. Didn't read it. It's good. Or watch it. Uh, and then it's kind of similar to The Tick in that yeah. sense of like playing with the conventions but doing its own thing. Oh, that, that makes me think of a question. We get asked this a lot about the Fantastic Four. How would you introduce them into the MCU? Mm. Uh, and my specific question is a lot of people feel it's important to tie them to the 60s or make them kind of tie into the nostalgia of them. Uh, which I think I didn't necessarily feel was important. Uh, I don't know what Will thinks. Um, I don't think it's important. 
But a lot of readers uh, have this idea of like, oh, they were heroes in the 60s, got trapped in the negative zone or somewhere, and now we're back. It's sort of an important part of them to tie them into that. Um, one, how important do you think that is to you, for you to be like, oh, this feels like my Fantastic Four on mm-hmm. the screen? And second question, what, what do you think needs to happen for it to feel like your Fantastic Four while still connecting to this now overburdened MCU <laughs> movie universe? I think if I had carte blanche and was doing it without the MCU, I would sure. probably gravitate to putting it in the 60s. Just have it be a period piece? Yeah. But um, I don't think that's essential if you're doing the full Marvel Universe. I think I would probably um, have them just become the Fantastic Four now. Uh, there is something to be said about them being the sort of forefathers of the Marvel comics. Yeah. But I don't know that that's essential, like that they didn't need to always be there. Yeah. Um, like it, if I, it I, wouldn't I, bother you if you had a movie where like they were the new heroes. I think it would be fine. I, I think I would introduce a Victor Von Doom and a Reed Richards in the next Thor movie as scientists. <laughs> there you go. And then they show up in their own thing. I think it would be fine. Um, and I think it would be somewhere between like Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers in terms of tone where it yeah. can be super fun but also they can have the sort of beat em up action at yeah, the end sure uh, have you seen all the movies that have come out I have okay uh, there's actually a really do you mean the Fantastic Four I've Fantastic seen them all Four movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I met the Fantastic Four movies uh, specifically there's a really good documentary that just came out called Doomed that's all about the Roger Corman 1994. And have you seen that one? I have seen that. I have seen that one too, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For an unreleased movie, everyone here has seen it. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, it's not a yeah, real yeah. movie. It's the craziest thing. It's a really famous movie goof, but it makes me just laugh and laugh. Is In that 94 movie, they cut to a POV shot of Alicia Masters being knocked out. Like it fades to kind of it blurs away yeah. as she's being knocked out, but she's blind and would not be right, able right. to see anything. Oh, so weird. I don't know. That's so funny. Uh, this is the movie where when the Human Torch goes flying, they cut to like a computer animation simulation <laughs> yeah. of him yeah. flying in the sky, right? Like just for no reason, they just don't have the effects. So there's a placeholder of a old school line art on a computer showing what it would be if they had the money or something. <laughs> yeah, this is like the pitch reel. Yeah. Is that also, I think, might also be the one where the Human Torch couldn't flame on until he thought of the code word? Oh, I might, think that's right. It might be no, like he had, to, he, he had to he says figure flame out on, to say goes, flame yeah. on. As if, it's a, as if it's like Shazam, as right. if it's a magic word. Which is always like someone's like, I guess you read the comic quickly. <laughs> I don't think you got it. They just needed to delay that special effect as long as possible. Yeah, yeah right. They just couldn't have him flame on for most of the movie. Uh, but yeah, the last, the three that were in theaters were just me walking out of the theater sadly at the end yeah it's so disappointing seeing uh, superheroes that you care about not be done well yeah because then you're also like now they might not try again or they won't try again for a long time I won't get it right um where like at least that first Spider-Man movie was good yeah it wasn't perfect but it was like it was good enough that you're like they're gonna make more of these they're gonna keep trying um they proved it could be done. <laughs> right. It wasn't embarrassing. It was like, it was, I mean, it was better. I mean, it was, it, I think it was a really good movie, but like f- from the point of a scared comic book fan, even if you didn't like it, you'd have to admit yeah. this is a well-made movie that looks yeah. cool and it's going to give respect to the character. 
Because to this day, people say like, oh, I don't think you could do Fantastic Four as a movie, which is a crazy thing to say based on some of the movies that have happened or yeah. are in production, like The Eternals. Yeah. Like, and the fact that people are like, oh, you couldn't do Fantastic Four. It's like, but you could do the X-Men? Doctor Strange? <laughs> Doctor Strange. You could do the Eternals. Right. I mean, you can do the Fantastic yes. Four. Yes. There's a way to do it. Yeah. And uh, if anyone wants my spec screenplay at Marvel, <laughs> let me know. Do you have, have you written one? No. That'd but be, I, I, I can crank one out. <laughs> I'd love it if you had written one. Um, uh, anything else, Will? No, I think we're hey, good. Ramsey, do you have stuff that we didn't cover that you want to get to? No, I, I got my burning human torch question out there. Uh, I guess I just want to say that the thing should still smoke cigars. Yeah, uh, he doesn't really smoke them in the Kirby run, is something I've noticed. Oh, like, yeah. Because uh, that's on my mind a little bit. That, ha- that was a thing that happened under Joe Casada, I think. He decided that none of the characters should smoke. And right. I, I can't argue with that. So it, it was yeah. mostly Wolverine and the Thing and Nick Fury. Yep. All stop smoking cigars and they just they don't talk about it. They just don't show up. But other than the uh, recent issues where the that we read recent for the podcast where the Thing is under mind control by the frightful four, he smokes the Sandman's cigars <laughs> in that story. But I don't think he smokes them otherwise. I think but you're right. It was yeah. for sure a thing I remembered him doing a lot in the eighties nineties. Aunt. Yeah, it might be a burn thing. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I'm, yeah, if, if Wolverine and Thing smoke cigars, maybe Burn had a big tobacco deal. Oh, goes all the way to the top. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he was in pocket of big tobacco. Um, so Ramsey, thanks cigars. so much that's, for uh, that's Ramsey's call. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we really admire your um, problem. Uh, <laughs> of uh, your obsessiveness and um, I, I relate to it. Buying Spider-Man comics every time it, the run would get bad, mm. and then I would go back and like pick up an issue at random and be like, "Is it good yet? Can I start? Like, can I get back in?" And if it wasn't, I would I would I would buy a couple issues and I would go away. I mean, it also didn't help that there would be like four Spider-Man titles, right. but I'd always want to buy Spider-Man, but I just couldn't buy it when it was bad. But I'm always impressed by people like you that just were like, oh, "I'll." I'll I'll just soldier through this bad run. People do that with the X Men too. I know, um, and I, people for sure have done it with Spider Man. But I like I consider myself an Uber Spider Man fan. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> I'll just go back and reread this run. Um, I just like going to comic book stores. I think I guess I think, that's what it is. Uh, it's, it's so impressive, especially filling in the gaps. Because once you've got that run, it's got to be a thing that gnaws at you to be like, oh, I guess I'll never have those first thirty issues or so. <laughs> right. And you just have to, you have to just, just dig down and do it. Yeah. So that stupid first appearance of Doctor Doom. That was the one. <laughs> that was that's the one that took you the longest. <laughs> yep. What is that issue five? five? Yeah. It's not even that good a story. No, nope. but it's the first one, so people want it, I guess. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Can More I ask than the how first much you issue. spent for the first issue? Uh, do you, you don't have to tell me. I don't mind very actually. It, no, it was. Uh, it's super beat up. Sure. Uh, and it was a decade ago. Uh, so it was. Think eight hundred dollars, which I don't think I could buy a coverless issue for that today. Is the way I'm spinning this. Yeah. How much did you spend, Will, for Spider-Man thirty-three? Forty dollars. Because it's like holes in the cover. There's two holes in the front cover. This I bought it in nineteen eighty-six, and I don't think the Amazing Spider-Man thirty-three. Yeah. It's. I don't think it had the cachet that it does now. I I don't think that that issue was like. I mean, I, I. Amazing Fantasy 15 was selling for like thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, at I mean, those the, things at that have time. rocketed up in the last like 10, 15 years even. Every time they sell, they just go bigger. Those initial handful of issues. I feel like I, I have in my head that in the mid-80s, like Action Comics number one was 25000 That was the most expensive, you know, in like your comic book guide listings. Yeah. And then Fantastic Four was... 17,000 and then Amazing Fantasy was like Amazing Fantasy 15 was like 12,000 that, that's where those things kind of were we should have bought um, them all Will you should you should do a uh, comic book podcast that was impressive yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually might be wrong in that but that, that's in my head for some reason $800 feels like a good amount to spend for uh, it does, that I, don't, I would love that it that does not seem a, crazy that would I make me want to buy it if you it's, had said like $5,000 it'd be like ugh it's a lot to spend on something you can't, you would never feel comfortable yeah. reading or touching. But eight hundred dollars, like, like this is a weird way to think about. It. Even if you lost it, it wouldn't be like, yeah. oh my god, I like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's not as much as a laptop, right? Or I guess it right. is. A, a, it's a good laptop. <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a great laptop, but it's a good laptop. That's a decent price. I like that. Yeah. Uh, well, it's currently out being graded, so they could. Send it back and tell me it was actually printed on tissue paper in <laughs> yeah, 1992. Right. Oh, that's going to be heartbreaking. Like, this is worth 30 bucks. Yeah. We'll uh, see. Ramsey, uh, if that's true, we'll buy you another one. Okay. Don't say that. Nope, too we'll late. We'll do it. It's, it's recorded. I'll, bill, right. I'll, I'll expense it to Campfire. They won't mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're in. Um, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks so much for being on the podcast. And uh, next issue, next episode, uh, Kevin, are we getting back into the comics? Yeah, so as always, everything we tell you is subject to change because I think last episode we said we were going to do the Galactus issues next, but you're hearing this, so the Galactus issues will be next week. What a disappointment. I'm yeah. sorry, listeners. You tuned in for Galactus. You got Ramsey S. <laughs> uh, but the coming of Ramsey S. <laughs> it's, it's anticipation that's more important than the actual... More important than hearing the story is us building up that this will change your life forever mm-hmm. for the better. Uh, but please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Screw It mm-hmm. Comics. I mispronounced it. Screw It Comics. <laughs> yeah. And email us at ScrewItSpidey at Gmail. That's right. And um, uh, Ramsey, we'll see you here every episode for the rest of these. Can't wait. <laughs> okay, great. And just before I let you guys totally go, um, I uh, forgot to ask Ramsey if there was anything he wanted to plug. So after we were finished recording, I asked him to send me an audio file of himself describing the projects he's working on, and I'm going to play that audio file now, and then the episode will be over. Take it away, pre-recorded Ramsey. Thank you, Will Hines of the future. You can find all my stuff at RamseyESS.com or on Twitter at RamseyESS. There you'll find the aforementioned articles I do about old comedy stuff for Vulture. You'll find my music comedy podcast if you're listening. And I also just started a newsletter called Sincere Positive Things, where it just sends you a sincere positive thing once a week. It's fun. Okay, now that's it for real. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next episode when we're going to talk about Galactus. Bye. Screw it, screw it. We're just going to talk about comics.